morning, Sedona. It is Saturday, March 2nd, 2024, and this is Sedona Life with Stephen Hanks, Red Rock Country's radio magazine. Heard every Saturday at this time on Mellow Mountain Radio, KAZM 106.5 FM and 780 AM. I'm your host, Stephen Hanks, and I welcome you all to my fourth episode of my new show, that discusses all aspects of life in Sedona and the Verde Valley. Today's show and all my shows until the end of May are being sponsored by two terrific real estate-related companies that service the Sedona area. Damien and Danielle Sedona Village Real Estate Group with Caldwell Banker Realty should be your go-to real estate agents in the Sedona area because their experience and their dedication to community matter. And Omni Pro Management, owned by Brady and Athena Shimmick, is Sedona's premier short-term rental company. Their slogan is, relax, we've got it. You'll be hearing a lot more about my sponsors later in the show. My producer behind the glass directing the show traffic is Ryan Thompson. Good morning. Hey, Ryan. So, Ryan, uh, do you think after four shows... I can stop saying like what episode we're on. Maybe after the tenth episode. The tenth show. Yeah. That's, then that's the cutoff, you know. The nice round number. <laughs> right. We right. gotta go with that. <laughs> so after our show last Saturday, it was the opening night of the thirtieth anniversary Sedona mm-hmm. Film Festival. And when I arrived with my wife B, who we call the Woman Warrior here. I love that name. Thank you. <laughs> uh there you were with Mellow Mountain Radio owner of this station, Chuck Hillstein. Playing tunes outside the entrance to the Sedona Performing Arts Center. Was this your first time at the film festival? It was. And it was absolutely amazing. What It was opening night, so yeah. it was really cool. It was really cool. I, I got to see a couple uh, actors and actresses that I knew. And I'm like, oh, my God, I know you. I know you. I, I love you. Yeah. And um, and the people were just really fantastic, really friendly, coming in, smile. We had a couple ladies dancing their way through. Yeah, because you were outside playing music outside the entrance. So yeah. When people were coming up, that was the first thing they saw. Exactly. Was you guys. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. Great. Good exposure for it was. KAZM. Yeah. I should have had a big Sedona Life with Stephen Hanks sign out there. <laughs> right. right. So, by the way, since I mentioned the Woman Warrior, I have to give a very special shout out to my wife, B. Hanks, who is celebrating a birthday today. And once the show is over, we're going to be spending the entire day into this evening at film festival movies culminating with the live 7 p.m. cabaret-style concert by Lucy Arnaz, the very talented daughter of Lucille Balls and Desi Arnaz, the legendary. And guess what, folks? I'll be chatting with Lucy Arnaz later in this show about her concert tonight and also a bit about her fascinating career. You know, Ryan, I decided the theme of today's show would be It's a Festival. Since it seems like there are so many festival types of events happening in this area this time of year, including the Sedona Yoga Festival from March 14th to the 17th, and this morning, my very first special guest in the studio, right across from me right now, is the producer-director of the Sedona Yoga Festival, Heather Cherie Sanders. But before we chat with Heather, it's time for our regular weekly Top of the show segment, Stephen Sedona Scene, when I tell you all about some events and meetings happening all over the next week in Sedona and the Verde Valley. So here are a few of the very cool things happening from today until March 8th. So tonight, as I said, Lucy Ornez's live show called I Got the Job, Songs from My Musical Past, brought to you by the Sedona Film Festival at 7 p.m., at the Sedona Performing Arts Center. Now, there might be a few tickets available, so check in with SedonaFilmFestival.com. Tomorrow night, also the film festival closing night, a free live concert to celebrate 30 years of the film festival. Sedona natives Daniel and Jenna Waters will be returning from Austin, Texas with their band The Waters to perform a closing night concert as the finale to the festival. The Waters are a seven-piece Americana soul band, and this will be their first return to performing together since 2005, when they first sang together at the Sedona Cultural Park for their graduation from Sedona Red Rock High School, where, by the way, I coached the baseball team 
got to get a plug-in for what I do here. On March 5th and 6th at 7 p.m., the Banff Mountain Film Festival World Tour comes to Sedona as the International Film Festival hosts the two-night worldwide traveling tour at the Performing Arts Center. This is the 10th year that the film festival is bringing the spirit of outdoor adventure and mountain culture to Red Rock Country. This year's screenings feature the world's best mountain sport culture and environmental films among over 400 entries. Each night will feature a different program of films and audience members can attend either one of the nights or get a package discount to attend both evenings. For a list of films, dates, and times, and to buy tickets, go to SedonaFilmFestival.com. From March 8th to the 10th, continuing with our It's a Festival theme, the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival is a three-day mountain bike celebration that includes a main expo festival, bike demos, shuttled rides, gear vendors, a beer garden, great bands, food trucks, skills clinics, and a whole lot of sweet red single track. I am, I'm out of breath saying all that. With over 90 vendors, there are more demo bikes and more to do than any other bike demo out there. For more info, go to Sedona MTB for mountain bike festival.com. And lastly, something that really interesting caught my eye yesterday in the Red Rock News, the scene section, that is happening in Clarkdale. The Church of Blues is offering its first public program called Composing the Blues, Writing, Performing from the Heart and Soul. This will be a 20-week musical odyssey designed for enthusiasts of all ages and musical backgrounds. Participants will delve into the heart and soul of the blues, learning essential skills and techniques to craft their own musical masterpieces that can, and then they can showcase them with live performances for the public. The program runs Sundays through June 30th from 10.30 to 11.30 a.m. at the Old Town Center for the Arts, Studio B in Old Town Cottonwood. Go to churchofblues.org for more info. And uh, Heather, um, do you know what makes it a church? Tell me, tell me, Stephen. Uh on their website, it says music is the, their theology, rhythm is their doctrine, and harmony is their prayer. And that's the kind of religion that works for me. And what also works for me is having a guest live in the KAZM studio. Heather Cherie Sanders has been the producer-director of the Sedona Yoga Festival since 2013 and a practitioner of yoga since 1996, and studies in the Hatha Tantra tradition. Heather sits on the board of the Sedona International City of Peace as its chair. She is passionate about yoga's ability to heal and to create peace, and focuses her efforts on bringing authentic yoga to people everywhere through a variety of platforms. Her commitment to building community and offering service in the field of yoga arts and consciousness is reflected in decades of event and conference creation and direction, as well as program development dedicated to mentorship, civic engagement, creativity, and collaboration. Heather, it's a pleasure to have you on Sedona Life with Stephen Hanks. It is so good to be here, Stephen, to finally meet you in person. Yeah, because how do we know each other? We've talked through fe- through the festivals, right. of course. <laughs> right. Heather is one of my. I'm, I sell advertising for the Sedona Film Festival program, and Heather has been one of my clients for the last three years, because um, the timing of the yoga festival um, lines up really well with when we release the program. Sure, sure. And also, who doesn't want to support the film festival? Right. Exactly. Who doesn't want to support any festival in Sedona? <laughs> They're crazy if they don't, you know? (laughs) So the theme for the 2024 Sedona Yoga Festival, I I saw on the website, is All Together Now. Like the song, All Together Now. (laughs) And it asks us to ruminate on this. Despite being more connected than ever, our world is still largely defined by what separates us. So you asked the question, which I now want you to answer, how does yoga help? 
Ooh, I like that. Well, I asked the question. You asked the right? question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yoga gives us the opportunity to experience that quiet peace that underlays everything, that underlays the messy, messy, loud, often talkative mind and all the activity in our lives. And when we spend any time at all really focused on uh, the practice of yoga, the science of yoga, and apply those tools to our lives, it almost without fail, at some point you'll begin to experience this quiet, this peace, this, you know, all pervasive experience mm -hmm. of, of joy and peace. And so we don't usually touch in with that, right? But once you be familiarize yourself with that, you actually realize that's the nature of all things and that all things are that. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds a little esoteric and you just, you just mentioned, uh, the church, right? The church, church of, of blues. the blues, yeah. right? And how that's a, 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 a type of quote unquote religion that you can get behind, right? Mm -hmm. How they define it. But it is, it's that harmony and that familiarity develops over time with the practice of yoga and helps you to realize that in fact, everything is connected and united. And, and so the theme of this year's event altogether now has a lot going on, you know, all, all like not just my tribe or my friends or the people at the festival and, you know, together. And, and the word now brings us both into the idea of the present moment mm -hmm. that we experience when we're practicing yoga, but also hints at the urgency of the times, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and the necessity to begin to look at what is, what would it look like? What would your life look like if you were operating with the, a clear perspective that in fact, everything is connected and that you are contributing to the whole of that. And whether you choose to do that consciously or unconsciously, you are in fact doing that. So the theme has a lot of layers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, from a personal perspective, um, you know, I've, I've been an athlete my whole life, probably since I was a teenager, I still play baseball at my advanced age. So I have, and I've, and I've have issues like everybody does when they're doing athletic activities later in life, back problems, neck issues, you know, leg, whatever it may be. And I've had a lot of friends say, you know, like you should do yoga and not just, not just go to the gym, not with a, you know, just have a personal trainer, but do yoga. And then I also have other friends that think it would be a good idea if I start meditating. So my question to you is a lot of people, look at yoga as being some kind of combination of the physical and the psychological or mental, even the spiritual, if you want to get on that level. So what's your view of the combination of different things that, that yoga signifies? Well, as an athlete, you're, you're familiar with the zone, right? You, right, know, you get in the zone and right. it's, it's just this tool of bringing the mind and the body together and then you get really focused, right? Right. So, so it's not even yoga or meditation. Meditation is one of the eight limbs of yoga. Mm -hmm. And here in the West, you know, myself included, over these last couple of decades, we've been exposed to yoga as a physical practice. You know, we've got yoga leggings and we've got yoga outfits right. and we've got, you know, 75-minute yoga practices where everyone's doing the same thing. But the reality is yoga has thousands of techniques. Hmm. And I always like to consider that when programming the festival, that those thousands of techniques are there for a reason because there's an access point to yoga for everyone. Right. You know, if it was a, a, a technology of the mind and body and spirit that only had one effective practice, then there'd only be one practice, but there's not, there's thousands, right? So you can actually approach yoga from from any place, from the breath, ultimately all the physical practices, all the work with the breath, everything's designed so that you are sitting in that state of mm -hmm. meditative state, right? To lead you to self-realization, to discovery, to understanding your soul's right. purpose and your place in all of it and, and the reality of all things, right? But so as a someone... People say that a lot, you know, oh, my doctor says I should go to yoga or my friends say I should go to yoga. Right. What does that even mean? And, um, you know, I'll say it's, it's a little harder than it was 
the last few years have had a huge impact on studios. So many studios have closed, you know, and mm. so um, you can go try different things is what I encourage. But I see so much potential in the practice. One thing that has been created out of these last few years that's incredible is this ability to access it online. But of course, I would say a festival is an amazing place to be exposed to all the different ways that one can get into a yoga practice. Well, and, and not to mention being in a huge like-minded community for three days, right? I mean, sure. so tell us, so specifically about this year, what's going to happen at the festival? What programs? I, tell us how many people are coming, how they can sign up, all sure, that good sure. stuff. Okay, okay. So for uh, since uh, February 2013, we've done the Sedona Yoga Festival, and it's about 1,000 to 1,200 people that come. Wow. That's yep. cool. Mm -hmm. From from really all over the place, Sedona's a destination, of course, sure. right? And uh, and the conference is well regarded uh, throughout the world in the the field of yoga. And so, we have what I do with that thousand techniques is have a lot of presenters instead of just you know twelve famous yoga teachers. I like to have you know fifty, seventy five, a hundred some years different presenters. Um, so it starts on Thursday right. and runs through Sunday night. Okay. And we do a whole variety of classes and workshops. So someone can come in and get an all-access pass for the whole weekend, create their own schedule, choosing the classes that they want to go to. There are times that we're together, you know. And we're at the Hilton Sedona Resort at Bell Rock this year, mm -hmm. and it's great. You know, one of the things we have for the uh, – local community that started several years ago is kids yoga throughout the weekend. So, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. If you want to come and check out concerts or check out the vendors or do a couple of class drop-ins. If you actually um, want to see children in Sedona, <laughs> the rare time you can see children. They, there were a lot of kids last year. It was awesome. So it's like 8 a.m. to 5, 5 p.m. every day, Friday, right. Saturday, Sunday, totally by donation, really creative program. It's really, really awesome. So we also have concerts and vendors oh. and in addition to all the classes, right? But we've we've in included a 20-hour training for yoga teachers for I was just going to ask you yoga. about teachers. Yeah. If yeah. people come to learn how to teach. They do. And it's really interesting because two out of three people who come are yoga teachers. Mm -hmm. And they want to learn more. And they want to be together in community, you know? and It's a continuing education program. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is. That's great. It is. A lot of valuable information to be learned. And then a lot of beginners come for the reason that I said before, the opportunity to say, you know, well, what is yoga? What are all these different kinds of yoga? Where do I even start? You know? Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. So we offer a 20-hour trauma-informed yoga training for teachers every year at the festival. We've trained over a thousand teachers in person and another uh, 1,500 to 2,000, I have to check, online through wow. a partnership with a major platform. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, before the show, when we were talking, I told you that I once took a hot yoga class. Um, what is, is hot yoga part of your festival or is it a totally separate kind of discipline that is outside the what people think of as conventional yoga, if there is such a thing. Sure, sure. Well, hot yoga is wildly popular. The studio itself needs to have uh, tools to keep the temperature and right. the humidity just right. so, right? So we don't do hot yoga at the festival, but there are definitely similar sequences mm -hmm. and such. You know, it comes down from a classical sequence. So <laughs> yeah, hot yoga is very, very popular in northern Arizona and in the desert. Oh, One really? might yeah. be surprised to find. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of popular, what, what have you found over the years is the, the most popular programs or classes that, that you do at the festival? We do a ton of fun classes. You know, they're, everything from, you know, Ian Finn and DJ Taz Rashid are going to do a nighttime, like, flow with headphones on and just the whole works, the lights, the fun. Then there's, you know, a three-hour deep dive on anatomy or inversions or sequencing. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're going to be doing, you know, people love to do the sunrise classes and meditations. Uh, this year, we're starting with an OM chant every morning for 30 to 45 minutes before we spend some time together. The theme all together now is woven throughout. 
And, uh, you know, while we're on this show, I want to make sure I invite Sedona locals and let them know that we really want our attendees to experience your products if you're a maker or your services if you're a practitioner. And so this year we've made the vendor prices um, half price for, and there's just a few spots left, but half price for Sedona locals. And then if you enter the code, which is the name of your favorite local peccary, the, there's deep discounts for locals to come and attend the festival. We really want to see you there. That's great. So what kind of vendors um, sign up that, that are local people? Oh, right now, you know, lots of like red light therapies and crystal therapies. Oh, and well, all right, which we have people. in abundance yeah, here. And, and elixirs yeah. and, uh, you know, alchemy and just uh, crystals. Products and, with hemp in it. Yeah, all sorts <laughs> of beautiful, beautiful things. And then we have vendors come from all over the country that have, you know, sustainable products and clothes. And, you know, sustainability has always underlied everything that we do. We seek to be and aim to be a zero waste event. So, uh, yeah, the vendors are worth uh, if you if you find yourself only with an hour and you can't make it to a bunch of classes, but I really do hope to see you there at the Hilton. That'd Sedona. be great. So, how can people still sign up and and what do they do to 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 get into this? Sure, sure. SedonaYogaFestival.com. dot com. You can follow us on Instagram at Sedona Yoga Festival, and you know we always work with. Uh, we need our angel support too, so you can sign up and volunteer and trade some hours for a free pass and. Yeah, we'd really, really love to see you be a part of the festival. So what are you going to be doing all this time during, during those three days? What's your, what's your function as the, as the leader? Uh, well, I will be hosting all of our lovely guests. You nice. know, we have some incredible partners, 75 presenters and, you know, 20 people on the team hundred volunteers. It's just a joy, joy to be together and I'll be making sure it all runs smoothly and and doing the best I can to provide an experience for the people who come. That's great. Will I be able to drop in? <laughs> Absolutely. You for sure will. Yes, please. All right. I, I, I definitely do want to check it out. And, you know, my friends who have been encouraging me to do yoga, they keep pushing me and pushing me. So I've, I think I've got to, like, bite the bullet and actually do it at this point. Oh, this is your great chance to do I will. it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. We even have the um, founder of Accessible Yoga School, Jeevana Heyman, and he's going to be doing – he's really led the conversation, and he's going to bring us through a chair sequence where awesome. we can experience how yoga can be so powerful even in a chair. That's great. It sounds like it's going to be an amazing event. I really congratulate you on 11 years doing this in Sedona. That's phenomenal. So Thank it's you. great. So so everybody out there, if you're a yoga person now, if you want to become one, if you if you want to learn all about it and attend this event, as, as Heather pointed out, you can go to SedonaYogaFestival.com for information, tickets, everything you wanted to know about the Sedona Yoga Festival. Uh, Heather, it's really been great having you here and telling us all about this. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you so much. And yeah. locals, go ahead and use that code, Havelina, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Before you, before we're, we sign off, do you have a date for next year yet? I'm really excited that we're going to be moving out of the spring break <laughs> okay. Where we were, uh, you know, Sedona doesn't have a conference center. So we were at the high school for a number of years. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that was great. Um, but we'll be moving into the late spring. Uh, so the date for 2025 should be that okay. first weekend of May. Great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Stephen. Okay. So now I'd like to highlight two, my two terrific sponsors of Sedona Life with Stephen Hanks who are going to be my sponsors over the next three months, Damien and Danielle Sedona Real Estate Group and Omni Pro Management. Nestled in the heart of our breathtaking Sedona, husband and wife Damien Bruno and Danielle Gian have not just lived but flourished for over 20 years in the Verde Valley. As pillars of the village of Oak Creek, they've raised a family, volunteered tirelessly with the Rotary Club of Sedona Village and Sedona Village Partnership, and have been the proud organizers of the beloved annual community barbecue in the village of Oak Creek for over a decade. Their roots run deep and their commitment unwavering. 
Damien and Danielle aren't just your next real estate agents. They're your neighbors, your friends, and a top Sedona team ready to support you, whether you're buying or selling. With 20 years of real estate expertise and a love of our community that's second to none, choose Damien and Danielle Sedona Real Estate Group for your real estate needs. They want to make your Sedona dream a reality. So call them today because community and experience matter. Caldwell Banker Realty at 928-300-0139 or at SedonaRealEstateAgents.com. Our second sponsor is OmniPro Management, which prides itself on being the premier short-term rental company in Sedona, dedicated to helping investors maximize their financial capabilities, all while being completely hands-off. With their extensive expertise and tailored property management solutions, they empower investors to capitalize on the lucrative short-term rental market in Sedona. Their comprehensive services encompass everything from property marketing and guest management to maintenance and financial reporting, ensuring seamless operations and optimal returns on investment. By leveraging their innovative strategies and industry insights, investors can unlock the full potential of their properties, generating consistent income streams and achieving long-term success in the dynamic Sedona rental market. Trust OmniPro Management to elevate your investment portfolio and achieve unparalleled financial growth. Relax. They've got it. My very special guest for the second half of today's Sedona Life with Stephen Hanks comes from American Entertainment Royalty, which kind of makes her an American entertainment princess. Lucy Arnaz, the offspring of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, began her long show business career in a recurring role on The Lucy Show, opposite her famous mother. She would go on to star in her own television series, The Lucy Arnaz Show, co-star in the 1980 film The Jazz Singer, and appear in several made-for-television movies. Her Broadway credits include They're Playing Our Song, Lost in Yonkers, and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and among her numerous accolades are a Golden Globe nomination, a Theater World Award, and Chicago's famed Sarah Siddons Award. So why, you may ask, is Lucy Arnaz a guest on my show today? Well, it just so happens that tonight at 7 p.m. at the Sedona Performing Arts Center, Ms. Arnaz is the headliner at the Sedona International Film Festival with her cabaret concert show, I Have Got the Job, Songs from My Musical Past, which celebrates Lucy's life on stage. Lucy will offer anecdotes and fond memories about her co-stars, directors, musical collaborators, in between iconic songs and hidden treasures from some of Broadway's greatest shows, and also provide a look at the backstage magic it takes to create them. Lucy Arnaz, it's a thrill to welcome you to Steve... To, to Sedona Life with Stephen Hanks. I almost forgot my own show name. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lovely introduction. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, I, I like to think of myself as a writer. As a matter of fact, that gives me a really good segue. And if you can bear with me for a minute or two, I hope you won't mind if I read something to you and our audience that I wrote about you 10 years ago this April when I was a cabaret show reviewer for BroadwayWorld.com. Can I do that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Sure. Okay, here it goes. I hope it's good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it wasn't, you probably wouldn't be talking to me right now. <laughs> so here it goes. I'm not going to read the whole review. Um, okay. Because uh, <laughs> I could be wordy when I was writing reviews. Anyway. Okay, yeah. During the historic six-year run of I Love Lucy on CBS TV in the early 1950s, the most frequent story gimmick had Lucille Ball as Lucy Ricardo pleading, conjoling, conspiring, and finagling. She'd pretty much stop at nothing to worm her way into show business or at least become part of her band leader's singer husband, Ricky Ricardo's nightclub act, played by her real-life husband, Desi Arnaz. Lucy Arnaz, the iconic comedy couple's offspring, hasn't had to resort to such tactics during a career in film, 
TV, musical theater, and cabaret that has spanned, at this point, almost five decades. She accomplished all that on talent and force of personality, and with a sprinkling of her father's musical genes and her mom's immense sense of humor. But it took Lucy Arnaz her entire professional life to get booked for a solo nightclub cabaret show at the Cafe Carlisle in New York City. It turned out to be worth the wait for herself and her audience, and her week-long run of her show, Spring is Here, at the Stylish Club would no doubt have made her famous parents beam with pride. Lucy might have erupted into a joyful crying jag, while Desi would have quelled in his signature rapid-fire Spanish, because when it comes to her performance on a cabaret stage, Lucy Arnez doesn't got some splaining to do. <laughs> that was the beginning of the review 10 years ago of the show you did at Cafe Carlisle. Well, that was very clever of you. Wasn't it? So, so here's my figure question. Figure out how to launch into talking about me via that show. And I was wondering where you were going to go with that. I said, oh, okay, it's all about I Love Lucy. And I remember the review now that you read it to me, and it was really very clever, and I appreciated it. Thank you. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you liked it. And, and look, when I reviewed shows, I tried to be as, uh, as objective, as honest as possible, and give uh, uh, constructive criticism where I could. But um, Thank you. the show at Cafe Carlisle, how will your show tonight differ from the one that you performed 10 years ago? Um, which, like no, I said, thankfully I gave a positive review. You wouldn't be talking to me right now. Yeah, it's the material is completely different. This is that you know for most of my thirty-five years doing concerts now. Um, it, most of the time, I didn't even put a theme of any kind to the material mm -hmm. to the evening I was going to perform. I used just you know an evening with Lucy Arnaz, and you'll come and I'll sing and talk about what I'm there to do. And um, but recently I had some ideas for stuff, and that was one. I did. A, I realized that so many of the songs that I had been doing were written about love, not all ballads like romantic-y ballads, but like the I said the joke in the show, finding the falling, the fantasies, the foul ups, the all the f words, you right. know. <laughs> and because there's because almost every song you find is written about some form of that. Right. It's weird. That's the m most common subject matter in all songs written, you know, and there's a few comedy songs along the way about something completely different. But most songs, believe it or not, are written about one of those items. And so, but recently I was thinking about, okay, I got to do another show. I've done that show several. I've done six or eight, all different kinds of shows. But mm -hmm. I thought I've never done a show about the reason I do concerts, which is that I started in the musical theater. Right. And I you know, if it wasn't for doing musicals, I wouldn't have had the nerve to go out with a band and try to do live concerts. So I thought, but I've never looked back at that opportunity. And when I did, and I thought, my God, I've done so many really great shows, like shows that were written by some of the greatest you know, composers we ever had. The oh, my God. Irving Berlitz I mean, and the Cy Carol Bayer Sager and Marvin Hamlish, for and example. And the Marvins and the Gershwins and... Uh, you, you know, Stephen Schwartz and da uh, David Yazbek, and I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of these people and to perform their amazing stuff, and I've got hilarious theater stories that go along with it. So my musical director, who's been with me almost from the beginning, Ron Abel. I know Ron very started, well. I've, I've yeah, reviewed many and, and shows he and I, that he was musical director Indeed. Yeah. He started with me 35 years ago, and except for one or two times when he's already booked and I get a gig and I can't use him, like... Sedona is one of the few that is one of the few times that I'm not working with Ron, which is very, very, very unusual. But I have Michael Orland, who is cream of the crop. And um, but anyway, most of the time I, I'm with Ron. And, and we took a look at all. I said, let me just let me just sit down and look at all the shows that I've done from high school till now. Oh, you know? wow. What, yeah, did you, really what, what show did you do did in high school? What did the you know, um, uh, we did uh, Oklahoma. We did uh, uh, don't tell mama we did the boyfriend and i was ada wanny you know but that's how you start you know exactly. that's how you get a sense of who you are and what your voice is like like who do you what what part do you audition for how do you sound but it, that's how you begin and then summer stuck and regional theater that led to national tours and then broadway and and the stories that revolve around them and the people who mentor you and the um the amazing directors and producers and and actors that you share the stage with 
and there's some silly, ridiculous horror stories along the way. But mm-hmm. anyway, it made it made for a really interesting retrospective of that very important part of my life, and I had never done it before. So it's really kind of the most authentic show that I've ever put yeah. together because now, it's now really this show, 100% me. Yeah, now this show has been actually kicking around for a while. I know you performed it at 54 Below in New York, uh, maybe I've done four it there three times, ago. and they keep asking me to bring it back. I have to bring it back again in July because they wanted five more nights. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. I've done the same show there for three. He said, don't worry about it. There were two years of pandemic in between, you know. That's right. And that's yeah. the truth. I started the show just before the pandemic, at the end of, like, the middle of 2019 or something. Mm-hmm. And then I was booking lots of dates, and then, boom, everything shut down, as you know. Yeah. And so then I spent the year following the pandemic trying to reschedule all the dates that got canceled. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like I've been doing it forever. But in fact, if I add up all the dates I've done, there haven't really been as many as I would have done if we had never had a pandemic. So, Did you have to do a lot of rehearsal for this current round of shows or did it just come pretty easily? Oh, since? you know, whenever I've been down for a while, if I haven't done a show for a month or two, I always go back into rehearsal right, just right. by myself, if not with Ron, because he lives in New York. I now live in Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. California. So uh, I have tapes that I work with and I work by myself in my car. I work wherever I can work just to get it back in my head and all the stories, you know, make sure I know where I'm going with the stuff. And because you want to be prepared, but you don't want to be over rehearsed either so that it doesn't. I still want it to sound like it's me telling a story in a living room. You know, mm-hmm. it's not it's not stuff that's has to be verbatim exactly the way right. I wrote it. I'm curious However, about. Yeah, I'm curious you have to about- also. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, however, there's also a time limit when you're on stage, especially if you're at a club like 54 Below, where there might be another show after yours. Right. So you, right. Can't, you can't drift too much with what you're saying. So you, you have to have it written down so that yeah. you get a sense of how much you have to say and how fast you've got to say it, you know? Right. Unless you get five-minute standing ovations between songs. and then You never you know. Then right. what are you going to cut? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So I, I, I want to tell you something that I think you'll get a kick out of uh, if you don't already know this. So one of your past Broadway shows that you'll obviously be reminiscing about tonight is they're playing our song, which mm-hmm. premiered on Broadway in seven, 1979, was written by Neil Simon, scored right. by Marvin Hamlish and Cara Bayer Sager, mm-hmm. and co-starred the great comedian Robert Klein. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in what I think is a great bit of serendipity, one huh? month from now, Robert Klein is getting a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Bistro Award people in New York. And oh, yeah, I did know that, actually, because I can't be there. They asked me to be there, and I'm oh, already going that to be out of town and out of the country. That would have been I know. Great. Isn't that wonderful, though, for him? Yeah. I wish I could be there. I really wish I could be there, but I'm taking my whole family on a, on a family reunion to Mexico, so we're, I, there's no way I can be there. Gotcha. So when, without giving too much away, because obviously we want you know, people that are attending the show to be surprised and you know, not know anything in advance, mm-hmm. what, what do you, when, when you talk about a specific show like they're playing our song, uh, or do any of the music from it? What What's the structure? What's the dynamic of what you're going to cover with that material? It's all. Each one of these pieces are a little bit different. It's mm-hmm. a, I'm leading a path to where I am now, so it's hard to answer that question. Um, I try to keep it as chronological as I can, but there's no way I can do all the shows I've done. There's just not enough time to do numbers from every show and tell stories. And right. so it really is like, well, from that show, there's this little bit of song maybe, but then there's this hilarious story about everything going wrong on stage that night. Mm-hmm. And they're playing our song is a really large segment of the show because it was a really large segment of my life. Right. And there's so much to talk about, you know, from the audition to the actual playing to the people to what previews are like. That's a whole other thing. I try to you know, give a little education of theater along the way, and a lot of people don't understand what it's like to be in previews. A lot of actors don't have the opportunity to ever be in previews. Many actors only get the opportunity to be in plays that have been done, or musicals, that have been done before. So you're getting an opportunity to do a new version of a play that's being done. But it was originally done by other people, and it was frozen in that form, and now you get the script and you get the music. 
But when you're putting a musical together for the first time, and you're in previews, every day you're doing the show at night after you open, and then every day you're back rehearsing. Mm -hmm. And every day they're throwing new material at you and throwing things out and changing dances and people who had parts no longer. They got, their, their character died, you know, whatever. And yet you still have to go back that night and sometimes do the show from before, before they get the script done or the music done for the new changes. It's crazy. And, and I have an opportunity to talk about a song that almost went into the show. They were trying to replace I Still Believe in Love, mm-hmm. which turned out to be a fantastic 11 o'clock number. But they, didn't, they weren't sure that that was going to be it. So there's a very funny story about what happened in the meantime before they finally decided to go back to uh-huh. that. And other, si- other times I'm singing songs that my character didn't even sing. Oh, like here's a fantastic story, and I talk about getting the audition for something, and I'll say, but you know, in that show, my two favorite songs from that show are songs that my character wasn't, wasn't one of my songs. Hmm. But they're still great songs to perform. So it's all, it just depends. It depends on where I'm going yeah. with it. Um, when I did uh, My One and Only, there's a, there's a story about my going up on stage, just completely forgetting where I was and what happened and how I had to get back into it. And, and then I sing the song that I should have been singing at that time, but we do it in a completely different way, like a very contemporary jazz way. So sometimes they're the songs exactly as I did them in the, in the show. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're a reinvent, you know, a, a reinvention of, of what that song could be now. Right. Has the show evolved was, at all no. since you first did it at 54? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, that's what, because those are my previews, right? Like, exactly. Like, you have to do a show. My husband's an actor, too. We always say six times eight, you know, six weeks of eight shows a week before you really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And when you're putting something together, and I am the creator of the show and the performer and the director, you know, it's it's hard sometimes because you want to, you need to get a cross selection of audiences' reactions, and if you don't get a good run of the show, like if you're interrupted or there's too many weeks in between, you don't really get a sense of whether it's working or not. So mm-hmm. it does take a while. And then you say, you know what? We don't have to do it like that. That's, that number can go. This should be like this. We've tweaked it a bit. Not too much, though, mm-hmm. I have to say. We, what we came up with is um, it works. And I, yeah. I've gotten some of the best reviews for this show that we've ever gotten anywhere. And I have to think it's just because it's so authentic. It is, it's all me. You know, it isn't me trying to figure out ways to introduce a song that has nothing to do with me, but I just like the song. Yeah. When it's you, stuff really happened, it's much more interesting. I think. Do you consider this, um, you know, there's a definition of cabaret, the way it's performed at the clubs in New mm. York. Do you consider yeah. this a, a strictly cabaret show or is it more like Lucy Arnaz in concert that also can it's play a concert. cabaret? It really belongs yeah. in theaters. It belongs in a theater because it's, it's about theater. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's about the theater. When I do this show in a theater, it takes on a different aura. Mm-hmm. When I say a theater, I just mean a larger stage with a bigger audience and real like theatrical lighting and things like that. It could still be the Sedona Film Festival held in a big ballroom or a theater. You know what I mean? It just mm-hmm. If it feels like it's a theater stage, I think it works better. We've tried it in both places. However, I've played the Purple Room here in in Palm Springs three times with the show. Mm-hmm. And it is wonderful and intimate too because you're telling stories like you just got up in your living room and Ron decided to sit at the piano. And we're going, oh, did I tell you about when we were working with, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that works too. And the great part about this show is that I've done it almost every single time with just Ron Abel at the piano. I have an opportunity to have a whole band, but we don't. We like it just it's, it keeps it like it's a secret between the audience and us. Oh, it's a totally However, different one, dynamic when you just do it. It is a, a different thing yeah. entirely. Yeah. And I found that if I do it with a trio, it's not that good. It's either got to be a big band or a piano or just Ron and I. Or more intimate. To, like, yeah. Wednesday, day after, well, when this show airs, <laughs> I will I'm, have already I was done actually going to give you this plug. Can I, can I do this plug for you? Well, when when you uh, this show is airing before I do Sedona, right? No, no. This this show's airing the morning that you're doing Sedona, so that's why. That's I what say I mean. Tonight. Before, yeah. yeah, right, exactly. But um, before I leave to go to Sedona, I'm doing the show at the McCallum Theater in Palm Springs. Which is oh, what I'm saying. When okay, you guys right. hear this, I will already have done it. And um, but but they wanted a big band show, 
what they wanted this show. So I said, mm-hmm. okay, we've, did, we've done it once before with a huge big band, so we'll do it with an 11-piece orchestra. That is also fabulous because you really get a chance to hear Ron's orchestrations for these beautiful songs we picked. But it doesn't have to be that way. It's, I think it's, it still works just as well on a stage with just the two of us. And it, that's why it's really flexible, and I, I've enjoyed doing it that way. Now, Not every show is that good. When I tried it with a trio, it was neither here nor there. It was like, okay, now I miss the guitar. You know, now I miss the harp. Now I miss the horns. Mm-hmm. I just, it's either make it, when you do it, wonderful piano player and just you, the audience kind of fills in the rest, you know, yeah. in their mind. I should let all our listeners know that if for some strange reason you can't attend Lucy's uh, Arnez's show tonight at the uh, Sedona Performing Arts Center, you can still catch it this week if you can take that 90 or so minute drive from Sedona to Phoenix as Lucy oh, yes. will be performing I Got the Job at the Musical Instrument Museum on Monday right. and Tuesday of next week, both at 7 p.m. For tickets, go to mim.org slash events. You like the way I Thank worked you. that plug in for you? <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. That's very you sweet. Were... Yes, I'm excited about that. I've been there before. It's a lovely... Lovely venue. Yeah. And now, now in that audience. venue, and it is a great venue. I've, I've seen mm-hmm. it. And um, mm-hmm. I, I was representing a few cabaret performers, and I've been trying to get them booked in there because it's such a lovely uh, place. But in mm-hmm. that particular space, are you going to use more than a pianist? Or is it going to be a nope. bigger group? Nope. Nope. Oh, it'll awesome. Be the same. I said it'll be Ron Abel instead of Michael Orland because – Ron is available then. So Got it. We, we, he just wasn't available for the Sedona Festival, so I thought, okay, well, I don't want to miss it. So Michael has played the show once before, and he's wonderful. Michael Orland was the musical director and coach on American Idol for 17 years, you know, and he works oh, wow. with Kristen Chenoweth and every other great performer you've ever known. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the funniest, sweetest people in the world. And he was the guy, happened to be playing for me, on the very last show I did of this show before the pandemic hit, uh, Ron couldn't play it because he broke his hand, of all things. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah, and so Michael did the show, and uh, and then everything shut down. So he's lovely. We're going to have a great time together. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to doing the show with him again. When and then Ron have... Abel will fly to Phoenix, and we'll do the mu- musical museum together. That would be great. When you have music directors like that in, in mm-hmm. your... Uh, in, on your team, let's say, for lack of a better yeah. phrase, the comfort yeah. level in performing the shows must be off the charts, right? It I mean, is, and yeah. that's one of the reasons. You're, that's very astute because I have stuck with the same people over the years because of exactly that. I just can't be bothered worrying about whether the guy, the girl, whoever knows where I am, is following me. You know, you just can't show up and hand anybody charts. It doesn't always work that way. I'm so fortunate to have worked with Ron Abel and people like Michael Orland or Billy Stritch, Ted Firth. For these 35 years, I've stuck with like the same small group of people because it's hard enough to go out there and just focus on what I want to say and how I want to do it. And I become, you know, these characters when I'm in these songs and I don't have enough space in my brain to worry about that he played the music wrong. Do you know what I mean? Or he's not following... I just need to know they're there with me. And the best musical accompanists like Marvin Hamlish was probably the king. They know when you're breathing. You can change things. You don't have to do it the same way every time. They're right there. They know exactly where you're going with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it because I don't play the piano. But um, it's a gift, and I'm so grateful to work with the people I do. Do you write your scripts for these shows yourself, or do you have any help with that? Oh, no, wow. I don't have any outside help at all. We don't have any directors, or, mm-hmm. um, and I don't have any big choreography in the show, per se. So I have taken to doing everything myself for a long, ever since the beginning, really. I wrote my first show, and um, unless I had a big, huge dance number, which I've had mm-hmm. throughout the years with people like Michael Peters or somebody would you know, choreograph for me. But it's always been my stuff. I write it and um, put it together. Ron and I figure out what the show is, and then he lets me go ahead and write the patter, and we, we know kind of where we're going with, I want to go from here, and then we, but he can't just do that right after that. We're going to need you know, a little break. We're pretty good about arcs and mm-hmm. how not to put too much of this together without a break. Of, you know, Don't do too many ballads, and what's a good second number? We're putting a new show together for when we play places that have already seen I Got the Job. 
I was actually going to ask you if you had anything in the works. Well, we did. We already had a show in the works before the pandemic because we were expecting to play out all the dates we had with this show. Mm -hmm. And then if we were invited back to the same similar venues, they're going to say, well, bring us a new show. So what's the new show? So we put together a show. It's called um, Here's to Life, Songs from a New Perspective. And it's really me at 72 years old taking a look at lyrics and songs in a much different way than you do when you're 30. You know, there's you you don't want to sing certain songs when you've lived life a certain amount of time. You're not singing, I can't live if living is without you. I can't live. I can't live anymore. You know, because you know you can. You know, you're so right about that because I, I remember so many cabaret shows I reviewed when I was doing that back in New York where you would, you know, see... Uh, Female singers in their mid-30s doing the kinds of songs you're talking about that are yeah. really meant to be sung by by women of experience and wisdom, yeah. and th- it yeah. just doesn't come across the same way. No, it doesn't. And you can't sing all those songs that you sing when you're very, very young, when you're older. Mm-hmm. That is all about heartbreak, and you're going to die, you know, what am I, what'll I do if this doesn't happen? And you think, oh, come on. Have you got no tools by this time to know how to live right. with your life? And isn't life brilliant? And what's it all about, Alfie? You know? <laughs> exactly. You know, I wanted so there's to ask, a lot of hard uh, songs to pick about that. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to get back to their playing our song for a second because I mm-hmm. a question I want to ask you. So by the time the show premiered in 1979, you were already a more than experienced performer. So that you pretty much had nailed. Maybe you didn't have a ton of Broadway experience, but... Right. And and you're, you know, the offspring of famous performers and, and mm-hmm. entertainers. But doing a show written by Neil Simon that was scored by Marvin and Carol Bayer Sager, who you and Robert Klein were playing ostensibly. Yeah. How intimidating was that at the beginning? I mean, did you feel any trepidation going into that at all? Probably. <laughs> I mean, I, is it's hard to no, remember. Is that somebody nobody wants to admit? <laughs> no, 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 no. I would admit it in a second. I'm saying I can't really remember. I remember there was such a full and intense experience for me on so many levels. Uh, and I was young and I just, I was starry-eyed. I was so grateful. I mean, I knew who Neil Simon was. But it wasn't like I was starstruck because, as you said, I did come from meeting some, a few famous people in my life, so it wasn't that. But to audition on a Broadway stage, my first Broadway audition, for the likes of those guys, and uh, I was a little terrorized, I must say, because mm-hmm. I hadn't done a lot of I hadn't done a lot of auditioning, so it wasn't so much that it was Neil or Marvin. Carol or anybody it was just that it was scary just to be in that position and uh hope I had the goods you know right, and it right. was it was hard I um I did a pretty good audition but then when I went to uh, to sing my song I screwed up all my lyrics I had to start again it was humiliating I thought I totally blew the mm. audition but Neil Simon came up on stage and grabbed my hands and said you're such a breath of fresh air and I went, oh, my God. Oh, well, that's great. Oh, my. See, you never know. I did a good. And then I didn't hear from anybody for the rest of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> like two months went by, you know. Wow. And I yeah. thought, oh, God, see, you just never know. But as it turns out, see, that's why you should never assume anything, because I assumed done, dead in the water. Right. Right. And then I was told later on, after I got the job, I was told that I was the first person that they auditioned. And they were had a list of 200 girls to see for that part. Oh, wow. wow. And I was number one. So they're not going to say anything until they see everybody else, right? Exactly. And then eventually I got a call back. And right after the call back, before I could even get home, there was a message on my service, you got the job, which is how I named my show. <laughs> I, I have to ask job. you this question. I know you're going to you're going to think this question's out of left field, but I have a personal reason for asking it. Did your parents ever work with or even meet Al Jolson? Well, yes. My mother was her very first movie ever was Roman Scandals and starring Al Jolson. I did not know that, and I am a huge Al Jolson fan. Yeah, she was wow. in the, the one of the dancey girls. You know, one of the chorus girls. The, the, Oh, man, that's great. And the reason yes, I mentioned... 
Go he ahead. Know him. No, I'm just going to say my father knew him too because of that because they were around the studio together and stuff. Well, and and there's a weird Al Jolson connection in a way because, of course, Al Jolson did the original version of The Jazz Singer, the first talking mm-hmm. picture, which was mm-hmm. remade um, with Neil Diamond and you as yes. co-stars in 1980. Um, yes. What was it like working with Neil, and have you gotten a chance to see the musical um, on Broadway? I have not seen the musical on Broadway. I've been on the West Coast this whole time, and I never got a chance to go back and see it. Um, well, Neil is a doll. Mm-hmm. He was a very kind, very generous, enormous big star that everybody kowtowed to, and you know he had all the thousands of tourage, you know, bringing him lunch every day and treating him like he was the star that he was. But he wasn't like that, really. He was just a simple guy, a songwriter. And that's the guy I got to know. And I would say, what are you eating in your trailer for? Let's go across the street and get some lunch. Oh, can I? (laughs) Yes, you can. You're allowed, you know. And we got along great. And don't forget, we had Lawrence Olivia in that movie, too. Thank you very much. I know, really. It was pretty huge. Talk about royalty. Yeah, so working with the two of them, here's a guy who's, you know, never acted before in his life, Neil Diamond, and mm-hmm. then there's Sir Larry, who's the greatest actor ever lived at that point, you know. Exactly. It exactly. was wonderful. Well, um, are you singing any songs from the jazz singer in the show? No, it's not a musical. It's ah, not a theater musical. It's right. a, a song, songs from my musical past. And, well, I guess you could say it was a musical, and it's a film. That's true. It's not doesn't mean literally theater, but I don't think of Got myself it. as so no starring the in rocks. the jazz singer musical. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sing in the show, so, you know. <laughs> well, you said sometimes you sing songs that other people did in the that's show. That's true. So that is true. I suppose if I'd wanted to, I could have sung, but it didn't fit. I mean, there's plenty <laughs> of shows I did that I didn't put numbers in from. Got it. Well, yeah. we're, we're, we're about out of time, and uh, I just... I can't thank you enough for doing this. I know your schedule is like totally uh, jazzed right now, getting ready to come to Sedona. We can't wait to have you here. I have tickets for the show on uh, that is happening tonight. And uh, I can't wait to see you on stage again. Um, I'm thrilled. My dearest friend, Danny Guerrero is there performing and he's introducing me. And I think he's responsible for actually in, suggesting that they bring this show to Sedona. So I'm very grateful to Danny. And I I have relatives coming to the show because they lived in Cottonwood, Arizona. And oh, awesome. My Uncle Fred and my Aunt Zoe, my mother's brother, and her his whole family, uh, cousins live still live there. And so they're getting a chance to see me perform, which they almost never do. So it's fun for me, too. I'm really excited about That'll it. That'll be great. I hope I get a chance to say hello um, after the show. Please. Uh, yeah, track yeah, me down. I won't be zipped out of there. I'll be around. That'll be great. And I want to tell everybody again in my listening audience, if there are tickets left, you must get them. I, I don't think there will be any, but just in case. I hope you there check. are. I hope your <laughs> listeners who want to come have are able to get a couple of seats right. because it's a very fun show. We have a good time. I'm sure it is. And if they can't come tonight, Check out the Musical Instrument Museum where Lucy will be performing next week on Monday and Tuesday. And you can find out about those tickets at mim.org slash events. Lucy Arnez, uh, thank you so much for doing this and can't wait to see your show tonight. Delightful interview, Steve, and I appreciate it. I'll see you then. All right. See you later. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this week's show. I want to thank my guests, Tether Cherie Sanders of the Sedona Yoga Festival and Lucy Arnez. Special thanks to my two sponsors, Damien and Danielle, Sedona Real Estate Group, and OmniPro Management, Sedona's premier short-term rental company. Next Saturday morning, we'll be talking politics with board members of the Democrats of the Red Rocks and Jonathan Nez, who is running for the Democratic nomination to challenge Republican Eli Crane to represent Arizona's 2nd Congressional District. Please tell your friends who couldn't hear the show today that they can listen to a podcast version anytime on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you next week.